0: So over the last uh, five weeks, we have uh, been in a series uh, talking about becoming more than a believer. And today we're going to, uh, to wrap up this series. And um, when we begin to look at uh, our world today, we understand that there are many people who believe, but there's, it's a whole different ballgame when we start talking about becoming a disciple And how that being a disciple is so much more than just saying, I believe. And so we begin to look at, over the last five weeks, first we talked about being passionately committed and how that that we have to have that relationship with God where He is the first thing and the most important thing in our lives. That we don't put any relationship or anything above Him, but we are committed to serving Him and to following after Him. Uh, The second week, we talked about being uh, submissive and submitted to the Holy Spirit and how that, that to the unbeliever, Jesus is the most important message. But to the believer, Jesus said that it's important that I go away so that I can send you another. And how that the Holy Spirit lives in us. And, and we have to be sensitive and submitted to Him and to the things that He wants to do in our lives. Uh, then we begin to, to talk about living a biblically centered life. And how that everything that we do. Everything that, that we base our life on is based around the Word of God, and how that uh, people may see it as old-fashioned, but the Word of God doesn't change. Then the fourth week, we talked about having a, a, a generous heart, a life of generosity, and how that in our lives it's so easy to be inwardly focused Uh, But when we begin to to look at the true definition of a disciple and the way that Jesus lived and he's calling us to live is not to to be concerned about always looking inwardly, but looking outwardly and how that we uh, wanted to establish a church when this church was planted back in 2006, that when we went to the community with our hands opened, it was to give and not to get. Last week, we talked about becoming evangelistically bold. God has done so much in our lives. God has blessed us so much. But there is a story that we have to tell. If you look at your own life and you begin to to look at where you used to be and where God has brought you to, that's part of your story. And that people all around us are, are dying. They want to hear some good news. And when you can take your story and you can say, hey, you know, I used to be, and I've said it many times, I I do not believe that God wastes anything. And things that you go through in your life, when you get on the other side of that, you have the ability and you have the responsibility of using that which you have been through to speak into the lives of someone else that may be going through the exact same thing. Because there's nothing worse than looking at someone and say, "I, I know what you're going through when you really don't know. But when we go through things and we see that God has brought us through, we become evangelistically bold and we go to them and we say, hey, God can change your situation. God can speak into your life and how that is our responsibility to do that. So this morning we want to to look at what we can do and what it looks like if we begin to walk out all of those things in our faith. And you see... There's nothing that gets me more excited than communicating truth. And when we begin to talk about this, if, if you can look at your life and know that you're living these five things at home, that you're living out your faith in your house. I mean, it's a dawning thing to think about. I mean, parenting is one of those things that you never know if you're doing right. You think you're doing everything right, and then all of a sudden you're like, maybe, maybe I was doing that wrong. I mean, the family dynamic is so interesting. I mean, just represented here today, we have single families. We have broken homes. We have uh, grandparents raising children. We have foster families. There's so many different dynamics in today's society when we begin to look at how the family is made up. How many people remember? I'm going to show my age, and you're going to show yours. How many people remember the, the Cleavers? Oh, Yeah. These right here on the front are thinking, what are you talking about? TV land. How about the Waltons? Oh, man, I hated the Waltons. I'd go in and my grandparents would be watching that, and I'd be like, uh, I'm out. How about the Jetsons? Oh, yeah. I I'm, I'm getting some attention from the front row here. I mean, it's an old school cartoon, but... The Flintstones? Oh, man. They're getting ready to rush the stage. How about the Brady Bunch? There we have a a, a different dynamic, don't we? Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. The Partridge Family? If you're a singer, you love them, right? I may have seen half an episode. How about the Griswolds? Oh, now. Listen, everybody has a cousin Eddie. No family has it all right. Uh, The only thing worse than having a Cousin Eddie is actually being Cousin Eddie. We have all kinds of families that are represented here today. But what we want is, and one of our our core values is, is that healthy families equal a healthy church. And that if we don't have things right at home, then when we come together, we're not going to be healthy. So, in order for us to have a healthy family, and we begin to to live these things out. I mean, a healthy family has always been at God's heart. We look way back in the book of Genesis. He said, let us make man in our own image. And then he saw that it wasn't good for Adam to be alone, so he gave him Eve. Eve. And so the family dynamic began way back in the book of Genesis. And then we look at the book of Exodus. And God said, "I need my people need some rules to live by. Well, right in the middle of that, he said, honor your father and mother. And this was the first commandment that came with a promise. He said, if you honor your father and your mother, your days will be long. In Psalms, he talks about how that children are a gift from God. Your children are a reminder that God favors your life. In the book of Malachi, the very uh, last book in the Old Testament, but before God would go silent for over 400 years, he said, in the last days, I'll turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the children's hearts back to the fathers. It's always been in God's heart for us to be healthy families. I mean, culture has a way. Of showing us all the wrong ways to do it. We go to the New Testament. And God said, I'm going to make a way for you to be in my family. He said, I'm going to make a way that you can be sons and daughters of God, of me. And we want to be part of God's family. We want to to experience Him as our Father and God wants to allow us to know that a healthy family is possible. It's possible. I mean, true success is when those who know you best respect you most. You ever met someone and you thought, oh, they're, they're pretty good, but then you get to know them? And you're like, ah, oh, maybe not. Who knows you better than your family? Who knows you better than your wife or your kids? Who knows you when you're at your worst and when you're at your best? But having a healthy family is when they respect you. And when those people who are in your world respect you, how can that happen? How can we go from being unhealthy to healthy? Well, we have to work at it. The same dynamic as it is with our bodies. We can go from unhealthy to healthy, but it's not easy. It takes some effort, some determination, some willpower. In Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 14, it says, Now therefore, fear the Lord, serve Him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river. And in Egypt, serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether are the gods which your fathers served, that they were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord." And here we have Joshua coming to the the end of his life. And he begins to to look back and he looks at the people and he said, Hey, the choice is yours. You do what you want to do. If you want to to worship these other gods, if you want to, to put your trust and your confidence in someone other than the God that I serve, then that's your choice. He said, But as for me, As for me, and if we're going to have a healthy family, we first must understand that it's personal. As for me, it starts with you. It starts with me. And you begin to look at yourself and you say, how healthy am I? Spiritually, emotionally, physically. The health of your family begins with how healthy you are. You see, all of those things that, that affect the, the family dynamic. It says, if I'm going to make this and I'm going to have a healthy family, I have to realize and I have to look at the person in the mirror. John chapter 21, verse 21 and 22 says, Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, But Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. In other words, Peter was looking at John and, and he was saying, what about him? What about him? And Jesus said, don't worry about him. He's not of your concern. He said, it's, it's all about you. What are you going to do? And Jesus comes to Peter after he has denied him. And he comes to, to reassure his faith in this passage. But Peter is worried about the other person. He's worried about John. John. And Jesus said, Don't worry about him. You just follow me. He said, It starts with you. It's personal. And so many times in our life, we want God, and in our marriage, we want God to deal with our spouse. Or in our relationships, we want God to deal with the other person. Well, God, what about them? They need to learn how to respect me. God, they need to fix this and they need to fix that. God says, No, don't worry about them. It starts with you, it's your responsibility. He said, as for me, and when I look at my life, I have to say in my family, as for me, I want to be willing to change myself to become the person that God has called me to be. And for each of us, God wants us to look at ourselves and say, am I doing? Am I doing my part? Am I living healthy? So many times we have... And we look at maybe the way that we were raised. And we can start using that as an excuse or as a crutch. And we'll say, Well, that's just the way I was raised. Or that's just the way that, that that I've always been taught. But we can't allow our setting to determine our response. Some of you, you may have never seen a healthy family. I know many of your stories, and and you look at the way that you were raised, and it's heartbreaking. Maybe you had a, a, a dad that was never at home, or you had parents that always fought, or, and you, you think about that and you think, but God says you cannot allow your setting to determine your response. You have to understand that it has to stop somewhere and it can be with you. Looking at ourselves and realizing it's personal. The second thing that you must do is you must develop some patterns. You have to have some plans. I never realized how important that was until we bought this building. Anybody ever built a home, I mean, or had a home built? You sit down and you start thinking, okay, you, you got to have all this drawn out. And, and, and when we first bought this building, I mean, we had a couple of guys. And, man, they sat down and they begin to draw out. We can do this and this and this. And we can and this is this big. And, and if we're going to su- succeed, we've got to do it this way. And I'm thinking, man, there's a lot that goes into that. If it were me, I probably would have just winged it. Just put up a wall here. It'll be all right. But we had to think, and, we, and when we began to look at it, we said, okay, here are the plans. And if we're going to have a healthy family, we have to understand and realize that we have to have some plans. It's not just going to happen. You can't just throw it together. You can't just say, well, whatever happens, happens. You, you have to. And, and when I begin to look at my life, and I look at wanting to have a, a healthy marriage and a healthy family, the first thing that I'm willing to do is, is I look at people who have healthy marriages and healthy families, and I start to pick their brain. I want to raise a responsible child, so I find someone who's been successful in doing that. If I would have sat down and started to draw out the plans for this building and the way it was going to be laid out, we'd have been in a mess. But I counted on and went to people that knew what they were doing. And they began to help it make sense. And in your life, you, you may not know what a healthy family looks like. Or you may be struggling with, with your marriage or with, with children. I encourage you not only to, to go to, to the Word of God, but find someone in your life that has been successful and, and start making some plans. Ask some questions. In Exodus chapter twenty-five and forty, it says, "And see to it that you make them according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain." You see, God gave them specifics on how to build the tabernacle. God has always been a, a God that was had a plan. He had a plan of redemption. It just didn't happen. And in our lives, we have to realize that if we're going to get and we're going to build healthy families and healthy marriages, we have to have a plan. God wants us to follow after His patterns that He's laid before us. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 9 and 10 says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. He said, listen, you've got to look at my patterns. I've laid the foundation. But you have to be aware of what you're building. And for many of us, Unfortunately, we're guilty of not following the patterns of God. And we don't have that foundation that we need. And we wonder why that everything is crumbling around us. God wants you to know that if you build on Him, just as He said He was going to build the church on the rock, if you will build your family and your life on Him, It will survive the storms of life. But it starts personally. And then it takes us looking at the plans that God has laid before us. Thirdly, it takes some practices. How many people like putting into practice the things that you've learned? And we begin to look at our life and we say, okay, I have all this. I always find it. When I was doing a a lot of computer work, and and we were having to, I was over a company and we were having to hire people. And they would come in and they would have all this book knowledge. They had, you know, 37 degrees, and and you would look at them and think, man, this person's gonna be great. And then you put them in front of a computer and they didn't have a clue because they had never put into practice what they had learned. They had the, the head knowledge, but they couldn't live it out. And there's some things that a lot of us know what we need to do, but we need to practice it. And we need to have things in our life that help us get to where we need to go. We need to realize that the things that are important in our life are culture, communication, and our calendar. Three C's. Our culture, our communication, And our calendar. There's a a pretty successful football coach by the name of Chip Kelly. And he once said, culture trumps scheme. What does that mean? That means you can have all the right plans, but if it's not in the right culture, if it's not in the right atmosphere, if you don't cultivate those relationships, you're not going to be successful. You can have the right plan, but you have to have it in the right culture. And I ask you, what is the climate in your home? What is the common in your home? Many of us men need to to change the culture in our home. You say, well, how do you do that? The first thing you have to do is you have to value humility. Someone once said that there is nothing that two humble people cannot overcome. Let that sink in a minute. If you're having problems in your marriage, if you're having problems in relationships, there's nothing that two humble people cannot overcome. First Peter 5 and 5 says this, Likewise, you, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. How are we saved? Through grace by faith. How are we healed? Through grace, through our faith. How are we changed? Through grace, by our faith. It says, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. And you think about that, and what works vertically on our relationship with God also works horizontally in our human relationships. And there's some of us who are holding up the grace of God because you have pride. Pride. Some of you, you can't release the grace of God because that pride is, is holding it back. But humility will open up the heavens of grace. And we must value humility. Grace is always better than your effort. We can try to, to do everything right and we can try to be a follower of Christ. But in the end, I can promise you that you need God's grace because we can't do it we're not saved by our works and in our lives we need to have grace released and the way to do that is to overcome our pride and to allow God to humble us your family is going to need it my wife will testify i need a lot of grace i make mistakes And there's times that that I have to apologize. Say I'm sorry. But what happens is is when we are in that situation. And we think we're right and they think they're right. And that pride is keeping us from coming together. And admitting, hey, I made some mistakes. I did some things that, that I shouldn't have done. And you begin to humble yourself before each other. And you find reconciliation. And you find a way to love each other again. Secondly, you must value honor. Honor. Philippians 2, 3, and 4 says this. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out, not only for his own interest, but also for the interests of others. Honor. Saying, you know what? I put you above myself. You're more important than I am. I honor you. And we live in a very selfish me-centered society. And to look at someone or to it's very difficult for us to elevate and lift someone higher or put someone else's needs or thoughts or desires above our own. Last night my daughter it was going on 8 o'clock 7.30 she said dad I want Chick-fil-A and I said now we live in South Point the closest Chick-fil-A of course is this madhouse up here on River Hills and um, there was like four minutes left In the West Virginia football game. I didn't know what time they closed. So guess what dad did. I said. Go get something out of the refrigerator. No I didn't. I said okay honey. What would you like. She told me. So I got in the car. And I listen to the football game on the way to Chick-fil-A. Why? Because I put her needs, her wants, above myself. And if we can learn to do that in our marriages, in our relationships, and say, listen, I honor you. Your needs are above my needs. How do we do that? How do we honor our our spouse or or our children or others in in relationships? Uh, The first thing is another C, communication. Some of us, we're really quick to speak and slow to listen. And that's backward. It says we should be quick to listen and slow to speak. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20 and 21 says this, As a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Communication is so key. It says the power of life and death is in the tongue. You've heard the saying, once you... Say something you can't take it back. Have you ever blurted something out before you were thinking, and you thought, "Uh oh," and then you try to backtrack? Oh, I, I mean, I, I mean, I meant this. But there's a reason that it says to be quick to listen and slow to speak, because communication is so key. I'm guilty. And if you're honest, you probably are too. But if you're having communication, maybe me and your wife's talking to you and you're scrolling through Facebook, sending text messages. And we begin to look at and realize that, that we may be communicating, but we're not listening to each other. Communication is in listening, is not being distracted. Man, let me give you a, a, a tip. You know what the best thing you can say to your wife is? She's telling a story. And in your mind, you're thinking, Man, I hope this is over quick. When she gets to a point, say, And what happened next? What happened next, honey? Because you're interested, you, you want to show her that, that you value what she is talking about. Instead of thinking, is it over yet? Someone said that, that uh, women say on an average of about, I think studies say about 30,000 words a day. And that men are about 10,000. Now, in our relationship, it may be a little bit different uh, I, I like to talk if you haven't t- figured that out. But on the average. But men, communicating with your wife is so critical. Or how about not using harsh tones? Sometimes it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. It's not what you say, but it's how you say it. We've had this conversation with our daughter many times. What did I say? It's not what you said, it's how you said it. Did you notice that? <laughs> We're making decisions without their input. You know, just showing it home with a new car. Oh, honey, look, I bought a new car. It's only $500 for the next 20 years. We also need to realize that our calendar is important. Now, we've t- we talk about this a lot around here because this is, we say that if the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. If he can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. How many people will say that, that you are in a busy season in your life? How many people will say that it feels like it never ends? Soccer practice, dance. I mean, I only have one child. I can't imagine having four or five like you people around here. I can't imagine what your calendar would look like. I mean, I'm in one of the busiest times of my life. Reese is in soccer, and we've got a growing church, and and I find myself calendar-challenged. But there comes a point in time that that I have to realize and I have to understand that if I'm going to have a healthy family, there are some things that I'm going to have to say no to. There are some good things that I'm going to have to say no to. And the same thing is true in your life. When you begin to sit down, when we start talking about, I'm going all Dr. Phil here. We start talking about date night. Dr. Phil made a sermon two weeks in a row. We start talking about date nights. When was the last time you and your wife went on a date without the kids? And you've got to schedule them. And that needs to become the most important thing on your schedule. Psalms chapter 90 verse 12 says, So teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom and then Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 through 17 says, See then that you will walk circumspectly, <clears throat> not as focused, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what, is the, what the will of the Lord is. He said our days are numbered. You don't get them back. And when we begin to look at, and I realize I don't want to be an absent father. I don't want to be a distracted husband. I want to honor my family and honor my children and my wife. You see, your calendar is not what you do. It's who you become. My calendar is not what I do. It's who I become. Because your calendar will dictate the type of person that you become. What you value on that calendar, if work is always first, your work will dominate your life. You'll become a workaholic. Whatever is on your calendar is who you become. And you begin to think about your calendar. And when you can think about that it's not what I do, it's who I'm becoming. The most precious currency of our life is our time. That's why we're reminded so many times that our days are numbered. Where are we giving our time? Are we giving it to our family? Are we giving it to things that really matter? So it's personal, it's patterns, it's practices. But God also wants us to know that it's possible. It's possible. Joshua said, As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. A healthy family is possible. You say, I don't know how. I've made so many mistakes. I've got so many things going against me. Matthew 19 26 reminds us, but Jesus looked at them and said to them, With men, this is impossible, but with God, All things are possible. If you don't believe it's possible, then you'll make no effort to change. You'll make no effort to change. If you look at it and say it, it is a losing battle. Anybody ever started a diet and you started on Monday and then Monday evening you weigh yourself and you haven't lost anything or you've gained a pound? What do you do? It's impossible. Bring me some Twinkies. I give up. Same thing can happen in our relationships. We begin to look at it and we say, well, I've tried this before. It's impossible. There's no way I can overcome the circumstances. There's no way that I can overcome the hurt that I've caused through the first Part of our marriage or through the first part of our relationship. There's no way I can undo what I said to my to my child. And with your human eyes it may look impossible, but God said that with him it's possible. But it's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost you something. It's gonna cost some effort and some time. It's gonna cost you doing your part. God says it's personal. I want to show you the pattern. I want you to put some practices into. Watch how you communicate. Watch how you talk to each other. Look at your calendar. But know that it's possible. 2 Corinthians 8 and 12 says this. For if there is first a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. God says, if you're willing. If you're willing. If you look at your life right now and say, you know what? You look at your life and you look at your wife or your husband or your spouse or relationships that you're struggling in and you say, you know what? I'm willing. I'm willing. I want to walk out. You know, what, you know what the world calls someone who, who says that they're a follower of Christ, but then they live their life in a completely different manner. They call me a hypocrite. Listen. I'm, we're just, I'm completely transparent here. I've talked to too many. Preachers kids. I've talked to too many preachers kids. Who. Were raised. In the home of a Preacher. And they're completely against church and God. Why? Because mom and dad lived one thing at the church house, but something completely different at the house. And we've got to look at ourselves and say, if I'm going to be a true disciple of Christ, the people that know me most, best, need to respect me the most. God said, if you're willing. And there's some of you here that, that your marriages, There's having a good marriage is not easy. Would anybody say amen? It takes work. Being a good parent is not easy. Because there's times they get on your ever-loving nerve. Friday evening, I was trying to watch something. It's one of the few evenings that didn't have anything on my calendar. And I sit down to watch something, and we've got a 2,200 square foot house. But my daughter decided that she wanted to have the dog chase her with a toy. You know where she did it? Right in front of the TV. I said, honey. as loving as I could. Take that somewhere else. It can be difficult. And you're going to make mistakes. But when you make a mistake, you've got to be willing to fix it. It's not going to fix itself. They say time heals a lot of things. That's a lie. If you're willing, I'm able. If you're willing, if you believe it's possible, I'll show you that it is. With every head bowed and every eye closed, you may be here this morning and say, Pastor J.W., I'm not part of God's family. Where it starts. If you're here this morning, you say that you've never made that commitment to follow after Christ. Today can be your day that you're adopted into the family of God. If you're here this morning, and that would be you, you just slip up your hand. I've never made that decision. Because if our relationship vertically, if our relationship with God is not what it needs to be, there is no way that our relationships here on this earth are going to be right. It starts with our relationship with Him. Would it be one? How many would say, Pastor, if I'm being honest, This is gonna take some humility. Because we want everybody to think that everything is just great. Pastor, if I'm being honest, things could be better in my relationships. If that's you, just flip up your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Things could be better. first step is being willing willing to do your part you say this doesn't seem like a normal message listen the enemy wants to destroy your home he wants to destroy your home he wants your relationships home, your relationship with your friends. He wants to destroy them. We've got to make the decision that we're not going to let it happen. It takes us allowing the Holy Spirit to work in us Humble, putting others before ourselves in everything, in every relationship. The same principle that works with in marriage or with your children works in other relationships as well. Valuing and honoring people above yourself. Hands went up all across this sanctuary. I'm gonna ask you to stand. so important it is the very basis it's the very foundation and man you've probably heard the stories but you know people that after years and years of marriage they just can't do it anymore Responsibility to set the culture in our home. It's our responsibility. And guess what? The enemy is going to attack you. He's going to attack you. He's going to attack me. But my prayer today is. families will come together relationships that may be struggling will come together and allow God to speak life forgetting about the things that are behind us looking to what's ahead you can't do anything about what's happened in the past you can't do anything about it but you can look forward you're married and, and you have a spouse here today, I'm going to ask you to take the hand of that spouse. Got a maybe your spouse isn't here, or you're not married, or if you've got a, a child sitting beside you, take their hand. You say this is different, yeah, it is. Difference not always bad, but we're going to pray. If this church is going to do what God has placed us here to do, it starts at home. It's where it starts. Healthy family. Healthy church. We're going to pray. And not only are we going to pray for, because there's some of you here that that you may not have anyone here, but you have relationships turmoil. We're going to pray for you as well. But we're going to believe God to speak into our lives and to help us begin to change the things that need to be changed for us to be successful. So don't let me do all the praying. I'm going to ask you we're all going to pray. Do you know God hears your prayer? He hears you. Speak it out to Him this morning. Let him know that it's your heart's desire to have a healthy family and healthy relationships. Let's pray. Father, I come before you this morning. God, I'm so thankful for your word. God, I know that this morning has been completely different than than maybe normal, but God, I, I know that it's ordained by you. Father, I pray this morning for every person that's in this sanctuary, for people who may be watching on Facebook. God, speak into their lives. Allow them to know, God, that the enemy that wants to kill and to destroy them and their relationships, God, that you are greater. God, I pray for for every husband and and wife that's here this morning. God, I pray that you give them unity. God, that you allow them, Father, to, to value and honor each other. God, to to watch their communication and make sure that they're making time for each other. God, I pray for for every child here, parent and children. God, I pray that you allow us to know God, that that relationship is important. God, if there's those here that, that maybe they're having difficulty in those relationships, God, I speak healing to them. God, it may look impossible in our own eyes. We may think that we have went too far and we've caused too much damage. But God, we know that with men it's impossible, but with you it's possible. God, I pray that as we continue to go forward as a church, let us be known as a group of people who live out what we talk. And God, may the people who know us the best respect us the most. God, may our homes and our relationships honor you. God, I speak life. I speak healing to relationships this morning. God, I love you. And God, I thank you for what you're doing. God, I thank you for the healing of hearts and the healing of relationships. God thank you for your goodness thank you for your mercy and God thank you for your grace in the name of Jesus and everyone said amen how many people know that he's good he's good I pray that something was said today or something was done that will change your life forever by the power of the Holy Spirit if you're a guest please make your way downstairs check out the cafe there will be some staff members down there to greet you maybe give you a pen or something I don't know a bottle of water thank you for being here Have a great Sunday afternoon. Enjoy your family. We love you. Don't forget Life Groups on Wednesday evening.